Okay, hello and welcome. Hey, Bright on Radio family, this is Eric, and I'm doing another uh, Sunday sermon. Uh, Jeff is on the road and out of town at the moment, so he asked if I could do a teaching, and I said, absolutely. It's been a while since I've done one, so uh, buckle up and strap in and let's get this going. I'm going to do a teaching today on prophets and prophesying. And why am I doing that? Well, because there's been a lot of discussion about that lately. Um, Jeff has done a lot of teaching on false prophecies. Um, and in our communities, we always seem to have arguments um, amongst members about the prophet that they like. Um, and one person shares this, and then the other person says, I don't think they're legit. And then, well, I don't think yours is legit. So I just want to do a deep dive into um, what prophecy is all about. And... I was going to do mostly a, uh, a New Testament study, and it's actually ended up more of an Old Testament study because as I dove down that rabbit hole, I found out there was a lot more there than I knew. Um, some people like to dive down rabbit holes about information and misinformation and conspiracies. I'd rather dive down a rabbit hole of Bible study. So um, let's dive in. So the word prophet in the Old Testament is Nabi. And it's found 315 times. If you want to do a study on it, um, it's, it's the uh, strongest number is the Hebrew 5030. And the word for prophesy or prophecy is uh, Hebrew number 5012, and it's Nabah. And it's found 115 times. So there's no way in one teaching I can do a breakdown and, and go over 315 verses and 115 verses. And then in the Greek... The word for prophets is G4396, that's 149 times. And then the word prophesy is 19 times, and that's Strong's number G4394. So there are hundreds of verses that use the word prophet and prophesy. And not only that, but the Old Testament, a large portion of the Old Testament are the books of the prophets. And not just the books of the prophets, but starting um, in Judges and... Um, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. There's stories of the prophets, even when they aren't the book, the writings of the prophets. So, it's a huge portion of the Bible talks about prophets and prophesying. Um, and so, I'm going to do my best to give you a good overview and a good um, insight into the place of prophecy and prophets, and in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and where they differ and uh, what that means for us today. So let's uh, strap in. And um, so the first verse that I wanted to, to go into is, now the first time the word prophet is used in the Old Testament is of Abraham. When he had went to Egypt and he lied to Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister, not his wife, because she was pretty and he was smitten. God basically told him, Abraham's a prophet. Go speak to him, he'll pray for you, you'll be healed. Um, the next time it was when God said Moses to speak to the, 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 the Israel in Egypt, um, he had a speech impediment, and so Aaron went as his prophet. Um, and prophet doesn't always mean prophesying. It sometimes means a, a, um, like a spokesperson. So Aaron went to be his spokesperson when Moses went to, be, to, to get the people out of Egypt. But then after that, Moses is the quintessential prophet in, in the Old Testament. Um, and we'll get into that real quick. So I wanted to just kind of give you this. So, so Nabi, which is prophet, okay, 
Al-Nabi's Naba. So all prophets prophesy. It's the same in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But it is possible to prophesy without being a prophet. So you can give prophetic utterances and not necessarily be a prophet, but the prophet's job is to give prophetic utterances correctly. And um, Wow. Okay, so Moses, being the quintessential prophet, this is why. Moses received a call from God to speak wor his words and perform specific tasks with the promise that the Lord would be with him and help him accomplish it. He responded, even though reluctantly, and God did what he said he would do. Moses' prophetic voice spoke to Israel of the past, the present, and the future, as, as would every major prophet after him. This pattern, or much of it, is found in the case of every true prophet. All true prophets stood in the counsel of God to receive their messages. This word describes one who was raised up by God and as such could only proclaim which the Lord gave him to say. A prophet could not contradict the law of the Lord or speak from his own mind or heart. To do so would be a false prophet. What a prophet declared had to come true. And then the word for prophesy, Nabah, let me pull that up. Give me a second. It's a verb meaning to prophesy, to speak by inspiration, to predict. The most commonly refers to the way in which the Lord, the, in the way in which the word of the Lord came to the people. And in the New Testament, it's very similar to that. Um, we'll get a little bit more of that in a little bit. So, why did prophets come about? In Deuteronomy 18.18, 18, God said, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, well, how will we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So God even addresses like, well, what are we going to do? If, how do we know if the guy's speaking is a thing? So, um, and, and, and the prophets in the Bible, in Old Testament especially, um, it it's really like rather funny. So at one point, Abraham uh, needed help managing all the people. So God said, "Pick out seventy elders," and um, and this is Numbers eleven uh, twenty five. The Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and he took the spirit who had who had, was upon him and placed him upon the seventy elders. And the spirit rested upon them, and they prophesied, but they did not do it again. So the same spirit that rested on Moses, that allowed him to prophesy. When he picked the elders, that spirit came upon them, and they prophesied right then, but then they didn't do it again. So the spirit can come upon a person, they can give prophesying, and it doesn't make them a prophet, um, and it might be something that only happens once. Um, and then, you know, so, and then all throughout the scriptures, if you look at the, so this, this, this is what God intended it to be. God was going to lead his people um, 
pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. Um, he was going to lead them into the promised land. He was going to smote the enemies. And, you know, that would be it, you know. And then the people uh, said, you know, they were, they were a little bit afraid of God's voice. And they said, speak to Moses. We'll listen to him. And God said, okay. And then I'll raise up more prophets like him. So the prophet's job was to give, be the person that gave the word of the Lord to the people. But there comes a problem with that, obviously. There might be false prophets that come along, too. So now you've got to weigh out who's a false prophet, who's a real prophet. And, and then, so God meant to lead his people, but they were afraid of him. And so he raised up prophets, and then he also raised up judges. And the judges would free them militarily from when someone came and conquered them. He would raise up the judges. They would come and they would smite the enemy, and then they would be free again for a while until they messed up again, you know. So, now, that wasn't even good enough. So Israel said, well, we want a king. And God was like, you know what? You're not going to like it. Well, we want one anyways. He said, okay. So Samuel, the prophet at the time, the, the main prophet, he, uh, he prayed and God said, go anoint Saul, right? So, now this is funny though. This is Samuel speaking to Saul. He says, Afterward you will come, this is uh, 1 Samuel 10.5, Afterward you will come to the hill of God where this Philistine garrison is, and it shall be as soon as you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and a lyre before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, and you shall prophesy with them and be changed into another man. It shall be when these signs come to you, do for yourself what the occasion requires, for God is with you. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to you, uh, to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings. You shall wait seven days until I come to you and show you what you should do. And all those things happened, um, as I said. And so that's where the, the um, so there was a, a rumor of going around that is Paul among the prophets. Because when he was anointed, king of Israel, Samuel kind of as a sign said, you know what, you're going to go here, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, and you're going to prophesy, the prophets are going to be coming down singing and prophesying, and you're going to prophesy with them, and it did happen, and other things happened as well, and then Saul became king. Now, we all know that Saul wasn't a good king. So, God rejected Saul and sent Samuel to anoint David. So there were two kings who were anointed as David. Now, David would not lay his hand on God's anointed one. He had opportunities to do so, but he's like, I will not lay my hand against God's anointed. He would not kill Saul. Saul wanted to kill David quite often, you know. And they would be okay for a while, then he had to run again, then he'd come back, then run again. You know, if you know the story, Saul was jealous of David, wanted to kill him. And so one of the times when Saul wanted to kill him, this is, uh, <laughs> this is just, I think God's got a cool sense of humor. So in 1 Samuel 19.18, David fled and escaped to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And Samuel went and stayed, and he and Samuel went and stayed in Naioth. It was told to Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naioth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. But when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing and presiding over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. Kind of like what happened to Saul when he was first anointed to be king. When it was told to Saul, he sent other messengers and they also prophesied. So Saul sent messengers again the third time and they also prophesied. So it's kind of funny. Like, you know, Saul wanted to take David to kill him. He, David ran to 
falsely to Samuel, the prophet that anointed Saul. And so Saul sends messengers to take David. The Spirit of God comes on and they start prophesying. They didn't do it. Sends another group, started prophesying. They didn't do it. Sent the third time. You know, like the saying, you know, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. So Saul decides that I'm going to do it myself. Then he himself went to Ramah and came as far as the large well in the Sekiu. And he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Behold, they are at Naoth and Ramah. He proceeded to there to Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also, so that he went along prophesying continually until he came to Naoth and Ramah. He also stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore they say, Is Saul also among the prophets? That to me is hilarious. I'd never really known that or caught that before. You know, oh, you're going to try to come and kill my anointed David? Okay, the messengers, boom, here's the spirit. They prophesy. You know, wave after wave. And Saul came himself. And not only did he prophesy, but he's laying down to the crown naked, prophesying before Samuel. So I think he, you know, okay, maybe this isn't a good idea. So there are a lot of stories um, about prophets and prophesying. That one I just thought was kind of funny. Um, now, there's also a lot of warnings, though. Um, in Deuteronomy 18.20, it says this, But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. That's a pretty stern warning. I don't know if I'd want to be a prophet, because that's kind of scary, you know? Now, again, in Deuteronomy 13.1, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him and cling to him. But that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought him, who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you away from, way, from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge that evil from among you. And read the rest of Deuteronomy 13. It's, it's like, you know, you're going to wipe them out in the entire town and burn the whole thing. So God is saying here that there will be false prophets and false dreamers of dreams that will come to test you. And if someone comes along and they're saying, hey, I got a prophecy, oh, and it comes true. Well, they must be legit. Okay, but what are they telling you? Well, if they're telling you to not serve the Lord your God, uh, they need to die. And God's commanding his people to kill them. So that's pretty um, hardcore, I guess would be a uh, way to say it. And then again in Deuteronomy 18.9, When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, the one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of those detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out before you, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For those nations which you shall dispossess 
Listen to those who practice witchcraft and, and to diviners. But as for you, your God has not allowed you to do so. And then that's when God says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like, like me from among you, from your countrymen. So, the people of God can be led by the prophets. But they're not supposed to do divination and spells and sorceries and all those things that were listed. Important, right? Now, did they ever do it? Yeah, they did. So, in um, 1 Kings 18, we have a story, right? And uh, I, know, I know that's been covered recently. So, Jezebel... Uh, pagan married, became queen. Uh, she served foreign gods. She had 450 prophets of Baal. She had 400 prophets of Asherah, and they sat at the queen's table. So she had 850 false prophets. And not only that, she was going around and killing God's prophets, the prophets of the Lord God. Now, there's only 101 of them left because there's a guy who saved 100 of the prophets. He hid them. 50 of those 100 were hiding in one cave. And then we had Elijah left. And that's where the story comes in where Elijah says, Hey, you know, go ahead. Set up a thing. Let's see your God do anything. And they put the altar and put the wood and put the bowl. And they, hours and hours, and they started cutting themselves and all that stuff. And then it never showed up. And then Elijah says, Okay, pour water, pour water, pour water. He soaked the logs, soaked the bowl, soaked the stones, trench the water around it. That was full. He says, Hey, God, show up. And whoop, pillar of fire came down. And then they just did consumed everything it was all gone and the people were going like okay that's the right guy and he says they're false prophets and they went and started killing them all like god told them to so i would not want to risk being a false prophet because it's not good you do not want to go there and um lest you think um Okay, yeah, so then again, Ezekiel 13, oh boy. Uh, do a study on Ezekiel 13. It's about the condemnation of false prophets. The Lord, the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy, and say to those who prophesy from their own inspiration, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, What are the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing? Um, they see falsehood and lying divination who are saying, The Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them. Did you not see a false vision and speak a lying divination when you said the Lord declares? So, you, you, in Ezekiel's time, there were a bunch of false prophets going around, right? And they're, and they're saying, Thus says the Lord, thus declares the Lord, but they aren't declaring the Lord. They're, they're lying divination, they're doing their own stuff, they're either you know, being led astray by false gods or themselves, doesn't matter. And it is not good what God says needs to happen to them. You do not want to be a false prophet, nor do you want to follow a false prophet. Um, and um, Ezekiel twenty two twenty eight, he said, Her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, saying false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God when the Lord has not spoken. Um, the people of the land of practiced oppression and committed robbery and they have wronged the poor and needy and have oppressed the sojourner without justice. I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so I could, thought I would not destroy it, but I found no one. You know, um, 
God's looking for people that will stand with him and stand for him and stand what's for right. And then again in Zechariah 7, 7. Are these not the words which the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous along with the cities around it and the Gev and the foothills were inhabited? Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. And do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor. And do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. They made their hearts heart like flint so that they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. And just as he called and they would not listen, so they called and I would not listen, said the Lord of hosts. So the spirit of the Lord comes upon the prophet to deliver the word to the people so that they can know what they're supposed to do. But there's going to be false prophets. Now we know, um, I don't have this pulled up, but in Jeremiah, um, you know, God says, make a yoke, put it on your shoulders, and go and, and give my word. And I don't remember off the top of my head if it was Babylon or Nebuchadnezzar or whatever, but, but Jeremiah basically said, this is the word of the Lord, that, you know, famine's coming, plague's coming, um, you're going to be carried into slavery, and you need to accept the yoke. And then the, one of the false prophets, I believe his name was Hananiah, he comes up and he takes the yoke off and he breaks the yoke. This says the Lord, we're going to break the yoke of oppression. There's not going to be famine. There's not going to be plague. There's going to be prosperity. Now you're Israel. Who do you want to listen to? The guy that's saying someone's coming. They're going to capture us. They're going to carry us away. God says submit to it. Or the guy that says no, no, no. We're going to have victory and blessings and no, no, no. This guy's stupid. Wow. How do you judge? What if you judge incorrectly? So then you know, Jeremiah goes back and says, God, they broke my yoke, you know, and God says, okay, do it again, this time make a metal one. <laughs> and so he did. So anyways, so the, just pointing out that the prophet played an important role. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon a man. He becomes like another man, and he speaks the word of the Lord, and he has to do it correctly. Um, there were schools of prophets. There were hundreds of prophets. There were prophets in Jerusalem, prophets from Samaria. There were sons of prophets, um, groups of prophets, kids whose fathers were prophets that they, you know, they had to discern the word of the Lord. And if you didn't do it right, if what you prophesied did not come true, or you spoke presumptuously from your own heart, and it wasn't the Lord, you could die. So you did not want to mess it up. Um, but the false prophets always rose up, and then the people had to choose. You know, how do you know if the prophet you're following is true or not? Well, we know one thing: it's if they what they have to say has to come to pass, or they're false. And if they're speaking things against the word of the Lord, then they're false prophets, and you should stay away from them. Um, and don't think it's just the Old Testament. This is in the New Testament as well. Matthew 7, 15, Jesus speaking, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, all they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. So that's what you're supposed to judge fruit. You know, you talk about you're not supposed to judge people judge fruit. That's talking about prophets. False prophets, you judge them by their fruits. Um... There's a little bit of a problem with there, though. Um, oh, and let me read this real quick before I go into that. 
Matthew 23, 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the full measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? That's pretty heavy wording right there. Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in, their syn in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. See, God turned off the spigot of prophecy. There was nothing for 400 years before Jesus came. And then Jesus came. And Jesus came and he was warning against false prophets. He, was, he bucked heads with the Pharisees and the scribes and the, because they, they, they and their fathers murdered the, the prophets and they were gonna, they, he knew they were going to crucify him. I mean, um, not good um, to be... Have, <laughs> have the, the weight of all the blood of all the righteous people killed in all time um, on your head, I did, would not want to be in that boat. Um, and these were the holy, conservative, religious men of their day, uh, the, the Pharisees were. Um, in Matthew 5.12, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets that were before you. So, God intended to use the prophets to speak to his people so that they would not be led astray. And, of course, the enemy raised up false prophets to lead his people astray, and often they did follow the false prophets and were led astray. And finally, God says, done, no more prophets, 400 years, but then Jesus came. And Jesus was still talking about false prophecies, and he was still, you know, saying, hey, just like they killed the prophets, they're going to persecute you. That's the Old Testament model of prophecy. A prophet is a person that is raised up, the Spirit of God falls upon them and they prophesy. Now, a person that was a prophet, held off as a prophet, would prophesy all the time. And other people could prophesy, but it was never on their own. It was only valid prophecy. If it was valid prophecy, it was because the Spirit of the Lord was upon them. Now, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. The Word was God, and it became flesh and dwelt among us. And then, then Jesus came, right? So, and then, when Jesus said, it's a good thing that I'm going to heaven because I'm going to pour out the send the Comforter and pour out the Spirit, and then on the day of Pentecost, the tongues of fire came down, and boom. And now we're in the age of the church. We're in the age of, okay, Jesus came, he made the perfect sacrifice, that's been taken care of. The old covenant has been replaced by the new covenant. He didn't come to abolish the law or prophets, but he came to fulfill it. And now we're under a different thing. So, what is prophecy... And prophets, prof, prophets look like in um, in our time. 
And in uh, Ephesians 4.11, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, and some as teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Right? So, there's a place for prophecy in the New Testament. There are prophets, and there are prophesying, and in the Greek words, it's the same thing. You can prophesy and not be a prophet. Um, but if you are a prophet then you've been chosen by the Lord to speak prophetic words often. Um, and here again in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. Don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophetic utterances, but you need to examine everything carefully, and if it's good, hold to it. Right? So God still allows prophecy in this time. Um, but there's, there's um, you know, categories around it and things. And, in, and I did already did a, th a sermon a while back on 1 Corinthians um, 12 through 14, talking about gifts of the spirit and stuff. But um, very important tells us what it's supposed to be like. And God is, and this is 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? No. All are not apostles, are they? No. All are not teachers, are they? No. All are not workers of miracles, are they? No. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I'll still show you a more excellent way, and then he goes into the chapter about love. So, now, all believers, now, it's, this is about spiritual gifts, but the word gifts isn't in there. It's manifestations of the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you're supposed to have a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and the purpose of that manifestation is for you to edify the body of Christ, to build it up. Now, God called some to be apostles, right? And the apostles would go out, and they, they, would, they would go travel around, and they would set up churches, and they would set up elders and bishops in those churches to lead it, right, the structure. But, um, but God would pick who were going to be the prophets in that church and who were going to be the teachers in that church. And the teachers stayed, and sometimes the prophets would come travel around and stuff like that, but it was more of a local phenomenon. Now, and, but, it, but those weren't the only important people. You know, Paul says this is what it should be like. And, and, and read 1 Corinthians 12, 13 to 14, those all three chapters. When you come together, this is what it's supposed to be like. Everybody has something to offer. Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's a song. Um, now, I, I, I read it, but I didn't point it out. In the Old Testament, sometimes music accompanied prophesying. I knew a lady in, our, in church I used to go to. She would sing prophetically. It was really beautiful. Um, she would ask you first, you know, I feel like I have a song for you. Is it okay if I sing it over you? And you say, yeah. And then she would sing it. And, and it was a made-up song. The words and the melodies were just inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it was beautiful. And it was really, you could tell it was from the Lord. And, it, and she did it often. I would say that she was a, prof, a, a singing prophetess, right? Um, and, you know, chosen by the Lord to do that because she did it a lot. I did it once. Now, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a singing prophet. But I have sung prophetically once. 
um, we were leading worship, and my buddy was playing the guitar, and I was doing keys and singing. And I stopped playing, and I started singing, and I was speaking the word of the Lord over the people, and I was singing it, and he was playing the chords that went with it, and we never rehearsed this or anything. It was just inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, again, that's not my main gifting, but God can use you. Anybody can prophesy. Um, so when, when what church is supposed to be like, we've all been given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and when we come together, we're all supposed to move in them to build up the body of Christ. So um, prophets are supposed to prophesy, and someone in the crowd might get, get some prophecies too, but the prophets that are established in that congregation are supposed to judge it. And, and say, yeah, that's from the Lord, or mm, no, I think you're missing it. Now, they're not going to kill you if you're wrong, but, you know, you might be trying. You know, I've done a few prophetic things, not very often, but once in a while I've blessed people. And I just felt like I'm led by God to tell somebody something, and I didn't know that I was answering the prayer that they were praying for, and God just used me. Um, so, and then there might be established teachers. Do you have a teaching? But there might be some people in the congregation that have a teaching too, and they should share it. And all should be done to the edification. And, and, and maybe some people are sick. Is anybody here sick? Okay, anybody got the healing, healing gift? Okay, come up here. Let's see, let's heal them, right? Okay, um, oh, someone needs some help. Okay, is there any helpers here? You know, God may say, bless somebody. Say, hey, we got extra food. If anyone's hungry, come to our house. We'll give it to you. Or maybe someone needed money to pay taxes and God to bless somebody. Hey, we got a surplus. We'll help you. You know, um, someone needed help. I'll help you. Hey, I'm a widow. I need this done. My, my yard weeded. Hey, I'll do it. You know, all that was supposed to happen in a local group of believers that knew each other and lived, to, lived by each other and worked by each other and broke bread together. When was the last time you were in a church service like that? Probably never, right? Now that is why some mega churches try to break down their churches into smaller home studies, and that that kind of ministry can happen in, in in smaller home groups, and that's wise for a church, a big church, to do that because you can't do that. But what happens mostly these days is there's one guy up front. Okay, maybe maybe a, a the music director in the choir or the worship leader in the worship team share some songs. Oh, and Paul says, you know, when, when we get together, speak to one another in, in psalms, um, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? So music's supposed to be a part of the service. But what happens now, there's, there's one group or people that, that give the music, and then there's one person that comes up and gives the sermon, and then everybody else is passive observers, and they're supposed to give financially. That's not the model of the church. That's not how it's supposed to work. How does that build up people? How does that build you up? You come, you sit in the pew, you sit in a chair. Now, and then, but do you really know the people that you're going to church in? You know, and, I, and I, I'm guilty of it too. How many of you drive miles and miles away because you like that pastor or you like the teacher, but you don't really know anybody in the church and the only edification is coming from one guy and sometimes that one guy is also the guy who's anointed to do healings and he's anointed to give the Holy Spirit and he gets prophetic words and like it's just not how it was intended. That's not how the church grew. Um, now I'm not saying that God can't use big churches. God can and God does. Um, but we are supposed to be in a congregation with relationships 
day in, day out, week after week, breaking bread with each other and building each other up, fully expressing the manifestation that the Holy Spirit gave us and encouraging each other to grow. The gift of encouragement is one of those manifestations. And it's not, hey, it's okay, Jesus loves you, it'll be okay. No, courage is giving someone who lost it, someone who has more courage, speaking into that person's life and giving them courage. And why would they need courage? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Nero was trying to kill all the Christians. Maybe there's being persecution. Maybe that's coming to us in recent, in the near future. You know? Um, so everybody has something to give. And maybe someone is like, man, I don't know. I, I, just, I really feel heavily like the Holy Spirit wants me to share this. Well, share it. And then they go like, you know what? You were totally hearing from God. Do it again next time, right? You know, like that's how it's supposed to be. Learning and growing and, and moving in, in, in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit's together in a way that builds each other up and grows the church. And Paul says, I wish all of you would prophesy. And he says, because in the Corinthian church, they were a little spiritually immature and they were all about tongues, you know, as, as many charismatic churches are, you know, and nothing against tongues. If you got it, great. It's a gift. God gave it to you for a reason. Use it. Um, but they were overemphasizing it. Paul says, man, if you're all together and everyone's speaking in tongues, someone non-believer walks in, they're going to go like, what the heck's going on here? But if everyone comes in and everyone's prophesying, they're going to fall on their face and say, God is in your midst because the secrets of their hearts will be revealed. So see, God is about giving manifestations so that we can be built up as a church and so that others can come into the fold. Does that make sense? Now, is that how prophecy is done these days? Unfortunately, it's not. You know, you got a person who maybe they're a televangelist or a podcaster, or, you know, they've got hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of followers who believe that this, they're divinely inspired and they're giving the word of the Lord. But again, it's like, it's like the pastor thing at church. You know, there's one pastor and he's giving. There's a prophet up here and he's giving. There's not that interaction. There's not that accountability. Where are the other prophets that are local that are judging if that's really the word of the Lord or not? And I'm not just saying like more of them saying, yeah, we're all good. We're all part of the same club. You're legit. Yeah, you're legit. Hey, we're all legit because there's three witnesses. We're all legit, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how do you know that the person that you are following is a, a true prophet or a false prophet. It's important to know, right? Matthew thirteen seventeen. Jesus says, um, let me start in 16. Blessed be, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What was he talking about? Moses brought the people out of Egypt. And he brought them to Mount Horeb. And God spoke to them directly 
and it terrified them. It was like the sound of many trumpets. And they hid behind the rocks and they said, don't speak anymore. We're going to die if you keep talking. Talk to Moses. Talk to Moses. We'll listen to him. Deuteronomy 18.16 This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of his assembly, saying, Let me not hear again his, the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore, or I will die. Then God said, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. The problem I have with a lot of the online prophets these days is they're following the Old Testament model. When I hear them say, Thus saith the Lord, Thus saith the Lord, Thus saith the Lord, like they're operating in the Old Testament model of prophesying, which is fine if they want to, but if they ever say one thing that doesn't come true, they're a false prophet and they should die. And their sorceries are all the things that they're not supposed to do. Now, I don't blame them for using that language because if you read the prophets, that's what the prophets always said. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. But that's also what the false prophets said too. And, oh, the birds are getting loud right now. Cool. Um, God intended to talk to you directly. That's what he intended for Israel. Could you imagine what it would have been like if they weren't afraid of him? If they'd have been like, this is cool. Who else has this? What, what if God never had to raise up prophets because they said, we want you. Keep leading us by the pillar of fire and the cloud and speak to us directly and we'll follow and we'll obey. And they marched. They wouldn't have wandered in the desert for 40 years. They would have marched right in the promised land. Boom, boom. God would have smote every, all the enemies. They would have been gone and God's people would have boomed and prospered. And like they gave that up because they were afraid. Don't be afraid. So, I mentioned that the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon the 70 elders, right? And they prophesied the once. Well, there were two guys that remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the other one was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now, they were among those who had been registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And they prophesied into the camp. So two guys weren't there. They could have been there, but they were it's in the camp still. And the spirits full on them, and they were prophesying in the camp. So a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Then Joshua, son of Nun, the attendant of Moses from his youth, said, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. And Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses, people could only prophesy or be prophets if the Spirit of the Lord came on them. And Moses knew what it liked to have the Spirit of the Lord on them. He says, I wish everybody in the whole camp was prophets so that they'd have the Spirit of the Lord upon them. Just like Paul says, I wish all of you would prophesy and people would walk in and they would know God was in your midst. And it's possible. He said, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And then here comes Jesus. And Jesus says, all the prophets wanted to see what you're seeing. And all the prophets wanted to hear what you're hearing. And they didn't. Because 
God became flesh. And Jesus was talking to them face to face just like God talked to Moses. And now Jesus was talking to the people and they weren't terrified of him like they were that day at Mount Horeb. And then they knew that once Jesus died and rose and when he went back to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit was going to be available to everybody. Do you not know that you are heirs and co-heirs with Christ? Do you not know that you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies? Do you not know that your spirit cries out, Abba, Father? That means Daddy or Dada. You are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. And Christ is sitting next to the, the, the right hand of God. You're supposed to come boldly before the Lord. Why? Because you belong there. Because you've been adopted into His family. You're His kids. You don't need a prophet. You don't need to follow someone. You can go directly to God and hear from Him directly and have a relationship with Him. And that's what He desires. But how many people are afraid of that? So they're settling for, oh, this is the prophet that I trust. You know, oh, this is the word they gave today, the word de jour, like the soup of the day and the word of the day. How do you know? You don't know that person. They're not from your local community and you don't break bread with them. You don't have people that you know and trust from your local area that are prophetically gifted and has been proven over and over again and they're saying, yeah, that was the Lord or no, it wasn't. There's no accountability there. You could hear from Lord directly. You can read the New Testament, the red letters. That's God's word spoken by God when he was in human form. You don't need to follow a prophet. And I don't know why communities get torn apart because one person, they've, they've, they've banked that this person is legit. Okay? And then this other person has banked that that person is legit. And they both believe that, well, this one's legit and yours isn't. Well, this one's legit and yours isn't. And then so they start bucking heads. And both of them, who I believe are, Christians, and I'm not talking about any of two people. This has happened again and again and again. I'm talking in generalities here. Both people say, well, when they speak, I felt like it was the Lord. I felt the Holy Spirit move. So, okay. So you have two Christians following two alleged prophets who are both saying, I felt the Holy Spirit move when they spoke, but they're false and they're false, but mine's true and mine's true. Uh, someone's wrong. Maybe both are wrong. Can't both be right, right? Um, so I would just want to encourage you. Have a relationship with your Father in Heaven. Speak to Him directly. Get involved in the community of believers where the spiritual gifts, the manifestation of the Spirit are being expressed locally with people that you know and break bread with. You know, in a small town where you know their life. You know, where, you know, in small towns it's kind of hard to... You know, if you're in the big city, you're kind of anonymous, right? You can get away with things and people don't even know about it, right? Well, in a small town it's not so easy, right? So, um, you know if that person's compromised. You know if that... And then if the Spirit's moving with the words of knowledge anyways, if someone's compromised, the word of the knowledge is going to come in and say it anyway. So, you know, it's, it's not like they're going to be getting away with it and stuff. Um... And you don't know. Those people you see online, 
you know, how, how often has there been a, a televangelist or an online pastor, you know, and, and, and I'm not gloating that this happened, but they compromised. They fell, right? They had a secret life that no one knew about. How do you know that's not the case with the prophets you're talking to? I mean, some of them, the way they describe they're getting the prophetic words from God does not sound like the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and gave me this word. You know, I'm writing, I don't know what I'm writing. I mean, some of that seems like the divination sorcery, like, you know, you, you if you're going to follow people like that, pay attention to what they're doing and search it out and make sure, you know, and... The prophetic word should just confirm and deepen and affirm what you're already hearing from the Lord. If you're not hearing from the Lord, or you're not even trying, maybe there's sin in your life and you're afraid, or maybe it's scary, I don't know. But if you're relying on a word of a of a self-proclaimed prophet rather than having a relationship with the Lord, that's no substitute. And if you think of the times that the prophetic has worked in your life, if you've been in, ever been in a church where the, the gifts are free to move, it's a beautiful thing. You know, you might be praying, God, you know, I don't know what I should do. Should I do this or should I do that? And then Got, you know, someone comes up and says, Hey Eric, I was praying about I was praying the other day and God brought you to mind and I really felt like I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but 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 I just felt like he said, you know what, um, go to this place. Does that make sense? And then you're like, Wow, you know, yeah, I was actually been praying that. Asking God, should I go here or there? So thank you. That's just a confirmation that God's listening and, and that's an answer. And oftentimes, you'll get it more than once. Two or three people will come up and give you the same thing around the same period of time. And then when that happens, you can tell the person, hey, you know what? Not only is that an answer to prayer, but you're not the only person that told me that. So you heard from God on that. Keep up with it. Keep it going. So one, they're edifying you and you're edifying them by encouraging them to go in their manifestations that God gave them. That's how it's supposed to be. You know, if you move in the gift of encouragement and someone lost courage and you spoke to them and gave them courage, then the person can say, you know what, thank you for sharing that with me last time we spoke. That really gave me courage. You definitely have the gift of encouragement. Now they're going to be encouraged to, <laughs> to uh, do it some more. You know, that's how it's supposed to be. And we're all supposed to be in a relationship with our Father. We don't need a human prophet. We have Jesus. He's our intercessor before the Father. And we're seated with Him in the heavenlies next to the right hand of God. Like, you don't quit relying on people and rely on your relationship with your Father. And if you don't feel like you have one, um, wait on the Lord. And wait and wait and wait until He speaks. Be tenacious. Say, God, I'm not, I'm not leaving until you speak to me. How long would you give it? Five minutes? 10, 15, 30 hour, hours? Would you do half an hour a day until he speaks? Um, you know, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, his three best friends, he said, come with me. He went to the garden of Gethsemane. He's like, pray for me. I'm really struggling right now. They fell asleep, all three of them. They couldn't even stay awake for one hour. Now, this is people that had walked with Jesus from the very beginning of, the, of his ministry when he called them. These are people that ended up birthing the church, 
gave their life for Jesus. They were all eventually murdered and crucified in their own ways for, for the faith. Um, but in that moment when Jesus needed them the most, he couldn't even stay awake for an hour. So sometimes we need to have tenacity for God and say, God, I want to hear from you. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. You're my Abba. Speak to me. And wait. Wait on him. You know, maybe he wants to know you're going to stick around and not just give up after five minutes and go on your phone and start doing social media. Maybe he wants to know you're serious. Um, just like he says, hey, there's going to be false prophets that are going to come your way, and I'm sending them to test you to see if, if they... If they say this is going to happen, and it did happen, and then they're saying don't follow the Lord or break His commandments, I'm testing you to see if you really love me with your, all your heart and soul. So, He will test people's fealty. He wants to know. Like, look at Abraham. God says, hey, you're going to go sacrifice. Bring your son with you. Son of the promise. The only son. The promise. He's going to be the sacrifice. God waited until that his hand was in the air with a dagger and he was getting ready to plunge it in his son. And God said, stop. Don't harm your son. I know you love me. That was a big test. Sometimes God wants to test our faithfulness, our tenacity, our fealty to him. And that's okay. And sometimes that takes time. But please, 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 focus on your relationship with your father. Don't settle for hearing the word of the Lord through someone else that you don't know for sure is the true word of the Lord. Right? Even if you, you know, we're so prone to confirmation bias. You know, just like when there was Jeremiah and Hananiah. He says, the Lord says, the yoke's coming. They're going to take over. You're supposed to submit to them. The other one says, no. Well, which one do you like? I like this one, right? Well, that's my confirmation. I like it. Well, of course you like it. That doesn't mean they're a true prophet. Like Paul says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, there's supposed to be two or three known prophets judging the prophetic words as they're coming out. So just because someone spoke something and you like it and it made you feel good and you felt the Holy Spirit stir, that isn't confirmation that you might be wrong. You might be being deceived. There's not the accountability that's supposed to be in place. So, when I see these arguments going on between people and their choice of profit, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, we're going to stand before God someday, and we're not going to stand with our favorite preacher. We're not going to stand with our favorite prophet. We're going to stand with God alone. And we're going to be judged on our deeds alone. And our relationship with Him is going to be determining that outcome. And Jesus made the way and you got full access. We're supposed to come boldly before the throne of God, not because we're supposed to be bold and brash, but because we belong there because of what Jesus did for us. We're a child of the King. We, we can walk to Him and say, Father, I need your time. And unlike, you know, Father's Knows Best type TV shows where don't disturb your father, he's busy, he's doing work, God never says, never says, I'm too busy right now. He, he can spend time with everybody all at the same time and still be God and do his king stuff. You never have to worry about that. When was the last time you tried? I want to encourage you to do that. Seek your father's face. 
Don't settle for Old Covenant prophecy. There are prophets in the New Testament. There is the gift of prophecy in the New Testament. Pro New Testament prophets prophesy. People that aren't prophets can prophesy. God can use you to prophesy and speak his word into someone's life. But it should not be a replacement of your relationship with him. Your pastor's walk with God should not be your replacement for your walk with God. The pastor, the the um, the prophets that you like to follow should not be a replacement for your relationship with your father. So please, please, seek your father's face. He wants you to. And if you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. He promises that. So let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, that you, if we look back at history, we see that your heart was always to be with your people and speak with them face to face like you did with Moses. And it was terrifying to Israel when they heard your voice directly. And when it was you, Jesus, it wasn't terrifying. And then they killed you. Not because you're terrifying, but because you spoke truth. You spoke truth to power. And Jesus, you died for our sins, you rose from the dead, you went to the right hand of the Father and you poured out the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, you have come and you've given us manifestations that are the Father's will for us to utilize and move in to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, that is sorely missing for most churches. That's sorely missing in today's model. That's sorely missing from us. No wonder the church isn't so built up and edified. No wonder there's holes in the wall and there's no one to stand in the gap because most people just sit there they, they sit in the pew they're passive receivers and they give money that's all they contribute and they're supposed to contribute the manifestation that you gave them we are supposed to build each other up there are people who won't be built up if we don't build them up so Lord bring us to the relationships where that can happen and bring us to the churches or the congregations or the gatherings where that will take place Lord, we want your will to be done. We want your name to be lifted high. We want your kingdom to come in our midst. And we want to play whatever part you want us to in that. So, Father, will you beckon us? Will you woo us? Will you call us to your throne? Will you stir our hearts to cry out, Abba, Father? And when we call out to our Daddy, answer quickly. And, Lord, build up our relationship with you. If we're relying on other people and riding on other people's coattails, Lord, show us that. And help us to step off their coattails and to step into your arms. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for your time. Um, hope this blessed you. Um, I was super blessed by doing the study for this. Um, and I, that's one of the lovely things about teaching is when you teach, you have to study. And when you study, you find out all sorts of things. And I hope I did a good job communicating to you what the Lord wanted me to as I prayed before I started this. And I hope you have a blessed day. May your walk with God get closer and closer. And may you find a body of believers to truly commune with and break bread with and move in each other's life to build each other up. God bless.